Eye on 2020, episode 44. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray, your host of Ion2020, the place that you're coming to every day for all the news and events leading up to the 2020 election. Appreciate you coming out and listening today, I really do. Uh, enjoy enjoy seeing that I am getting a lot more people listening to the show, because I guess people must be interested in the 2020 election and the things that are going on. There's not too much going on though. Uh, I'm trying to find all the news that I can for you, that's what I do on a daily basis, I scour through all the news, all the insight, anything that's going on. And I try to find little tidbits of information that might, you know, help you to make some decisions going into the 2020 election with regard to, you know, what candidates you're going to follow, what memes you're going to write, all the, uh, you know, conversations you're going to have with your friends, things like that. If I could give you a little bit of good information, then that's great. That's what I'm going to do for you. So I appreciate you coming out and listening today. And, uh, Go ahead and tune your ears in every day if you can. And the best way to do that is to subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the show and then it'll hit your podcatcher every single day. If you're on Apple iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, I'm there. I'm on all of them. And I record this show on an app called Anchor. And they have a website as well. You can search the show there. So I appreciate everyone that is listening to the show on a daily basis, and please come back and tune your ears in. If you get a second, go and subscribe, and then if you can, give me a five-star rating review. I always ask for that. Um, notice that I've, I get reviews every so often, and I get um, the ratings every so often as well, and I'm trying to keep up with those five-star reviews uh, to counterbalance because, like I said before, uh, you're going to have those people that are listening that just have a completely different perspective on politics as me. I'm a libertarian. This is a libertarian show, and I'm following the 2020 elections. I'm going to get Republicans. I'm going to get Democrats that are searching for information as well, and they might tune their ears in, and if they just completely disagree with my political philosophy, well, hey, they might give me a one-star rating. Uh, I don't mind. One star. That's fine. Uh, Just go ahead and give me a review as well so I can know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. Uh, So I appreciate that. So um, I wanted to delve into some of this news today, though, guys. It's you know, there's uh, we're coming off the weekend, and it was the CPAC convention over the weekend, and that's the Conservative Political Action Committee, and I think it's usually you know college students, things like that that are, that are like a lot of people that go there because whenever they do their straw polls, I remember they used to win, uh, or Ron Paul would always be like the winner of the presidential straw polls back in 08. 2009, 2010, because uh, it's a big place for conservatives to come out and, you know, debut what they're going to be talking about during the campaigns and so forth. And at the end of them, they'll just have a straw poll that'll show uh, who's the person that's going to be the best contender 
against Barack Obama. That was back oh eight. What was it? Oh eight, oh six, oh seven. Back when you know they were running when Republicans were running for office back in 2012 and so forth. And uh, it's a lot of younger people, college students and stuff that go there. And you would have a, what I've found is that um, they would come out in droves for Ron Paul back then. Um, But they really loved Donald Trump in 2000, what is it, 2015, 2016, when he was running, they loved him. Um, He came and gave some really good speeches and all, or great speeches that, you know, rallied the troops and so forth. Um, Got them all excited and then he came out yesterday or over the weekend and gave a speech for I think it was they said it was two and a half hours and the the base loved it. That's what that's what it really turned out to is that the base loved his speech. And what I mean, he gave them all the red meat that they needed. You know, I think he even started chanted build the wall at one point and uh he hugged the American flag. You know, it was like one of the things that if you look up the news, you just type in Donald Trump CPAC 2019 and all the news. These are the headlines that I found from this right off the bat. 67 most stunning lines from Donald Trump's epic two-hour CPAC speech. Then that was from CNN.com. The next one was the seven most bewildering moments from Trump's CPAC speech. That's the Atlantic. And then I got a video from The Guardian, the most bizarre moments of Donald Trump's CPAC speech. Globalnews.ca, it says highlights from U.S. presidential, so they're kind of not trying to get any clickbait going. But a lot of these, a lot of these uh, headlines are clickbait, but it's, you know, everyone's framing it as like he was a crazy man. He was just acting wild and obnoxious the whole nine yards. But you know what? That's what won him the presidency. I'm... I mean, I believe that with the fullness of my heart, guys, is that this, that Donald Trump, he won it by, like he said, going off script. Um, he's saying the things that no one else is, you know, everyone else is scared to say, no one else will say, and what a lot of people are thinking in the back of their minds, and that's what his, that's what his base loves to hear him do, man. They really do. And here's another one, the seven most bewildering, bewildering moments from Trump's speech, and then you got the Atlantic, the President Trump repeatedly veered off script at CPAC, uh, dramatic oversight is BS, Trump goes off script in CPAC, so everyone's framing it in the way that gets the clickbait, but they're also just claiming that, you know, that he went a little bit crazy and all that, so what I want to do is get into a few of the key points of the speech, though, and see if it's something that's going to help him, because I remember I was watching, I think it was Fox News Sunday or one of those shows on Sunday after the speech, and the, and I had, like I, you guys know this if you've listened to my show before, I don't watch a lot of the news on a daily basis, but I do watch like the Sunday shows just to see what's going on, just to see what they're talking about, and like the conservative side, they loved what he said. They were saying that if he says what he said if he follows through and just keeps on giving speeches like this, that he's going to rally that base right the way he did in 2016, and he's going to win the election. So that's what they're saying. And and I've always said this, that if the it depends upon who the Democrats run against him, right? I don't think that America, and a lot of people have said this as well, America's not ready for like a, a socialist 
someone that I mean that's going to be the they're going to that's going to be something that Donald Trump is going to attack that person on, and it's going to be you know and whoever it is if it's Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders he could defend socialism well. Don't get me wrong, he can, um, and he does a good job at it. He talk, he calls it democratic socialism. He gets a lot of people on board. Um, people like people, you know, young young people love his message. People in general, a lot of people do like that message that they hear. But I don't think the general blue collar worker over in Ohio, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, I don't think they're ready for a socialist that's going to be running and. That's only going to help a Donald Trump who, you know, hugely unpopular among Democrats, hugely unpopular among Democrats, very popular among quite a few Republicans, but he does get the independents out as well. And he gets the blue collar worker. They love him. They like the fact that he's saying things that no one else is afraid to say. He's not trying to be PC. So... This particular, what the Republicans were saying on one of the news shows that I watched, I don't remember which one, is that if he keeps speaking the way that he did during this during this CPAC speech, he's right on the road to a 2020 win. And uh, But then if you listen to the more liberal press, they're saying that he's a crazy man and all the crazy things that he said. So I'll get into a few of the crazy things, I guess. And I'll also get into some of the more serious things that he said, um, things that are going to be red meat for his base, and the things that are going to get him, you know, get him to win 2020, I guess, because that's what he's going to be trying to do is win in 2020. And this is probably, you could say it would be his first real campaign speech, aka campaign rally, because that's what CPAC always is, and you know, two out over two hours of a speech that's over two hours long. It's his longest speech of his presidency. They were saying it was hearkening back to 2016. And the guy loves the stage. He loves the limelight. So let's go ahead and delve into what he talked about. So when he first starts off the speech, he's kind of hearkening back to 2016. And he's saying he's glad to be back to CPAC and all that, giving them props. Uh, saying how great they are and so forth. But then he gets into the 2016 campaign, and he was talking about uh, he was running at 17 other Republicans, and he's called himself, he said, I wasn't really a Republican, I was more of a conservative at the time. And, uh, you know, he gets into, like, you know, how he won and so forth. But when back in 2016, he really did do a good job in what he was trying to do, and that I mean, he intimidates people. He's he he comes up with names for these people, and it sticks. When he went against Jeb Bush, um, you know, he cut he knew exactly what to say, and as soon as he went after Jeb Bush, everyone kind of just turned their backs on Jeb Bush. Then he goes after Marco Rubio, everyone turns back their back on Marco Rubio. Um, he went after Rand Paul at one point. I mean, he would just attack everybody as hard as he can and that's how he won and I think that the base of people are watching it and they really did like the fact that he was you know a strong personality and that's what these people were thinking is that they wanted a strong personality on the international stage and on the uh, domestic stage and that's why they I mean I really think that's why they elected him uh, to be the Republican nominee at that point and then that's how he ended up winning 
the presidency as well because of the way that he attacked people and people for some reason people like that and uh that's just that's just trump i guess whether you whether you like him or not he is great in front of an audience to get them going along with him now when he won the presidency in 2016 everyone thought it would be a landslide for hillary it was absolutely surprising even i was i mean i was very surprised to see him when i just assumed that hillary clinton would win and then what was it, like nine o'clock at night it was over with he had already gotten the 270 electoral college votes and it blew my mind it blew it absolutely blew me away when that happened so he talks about that in the first part of the speech and then he talks about you know how he won maine and he won nebraska and so forth um and he ended up he talks about he got 306 electoral college votes you know and put hillary to shame things of that nature then he gets into um how he won michigan and that you know now he's bringing car companies back to america and that they're investing in america and so forth um you know, they, so he starts talking about all the things that he did since 2016. Obviously, it's political spin. It's all stuff that, <clears throat> if you fact check those things, some of it's probably true, some of it's not. You know, he's just he's stroking his own ego. He's patting himself on the back. He's getting the crowds rallied. Right, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to rally the troops and present himself as a great reformer, somebody that's really done a lot for the country put us on a respectable, you know, respect in the, in the international stage and so forth. And he does talk about that as well. Um, but he says, you know, America's, he said this specifically, America, quote, America is winning again. America is respected again. And the world knows it. When I meet with prime ministers, when I meet with presidents, I get along with them because they know that what's taken place over many years it's just the Obama administration long before that. They can't believe themselves that they got away with it. They can't believe it. An impossible thing. Does that even make sense? I don't know. But the part that he says, America is winning again. America is respected again. And the world knows it. You know he's getting cheers from the audience at that point. And that's what, I mean, this America First group, these people that are very... Uh, into america i hate to say nationalistic but that's i mean americans are very nationalistic right um not like nazi naturalistic believe me just like we we love our country is is that is the general feeling right americans love their country they want america to be the the greatest country you know the american dream all that stuff that's what i mean when i say nationalistic so you you know they're very into their country they love their flag things like that so when he starts saying that america is winning again america is respected again and the world knows it they are just going crazy for this guy at that point right um so then he talks he starts talking about the tariffs that he put on china and whether you like tariffs or not for some reason his supporters loved him for that but that was the first thing he talked about when he got you know, on that 2016 stage, man, is the idea that China's beating us and China's taking all of our jobs and we need to be harder on China and they're stealing from us and everything else, right? Um, so when he talks about that, those are things that are going to his base. But now he's positioning himself, and I said this in the past, what he's doing is he's positioning himself to be able to say, we're getting along with China now. China's not stealing from us look what i did 
when really very little has changed, I'm sure. Um, he's, but he could say, I'm negotiating with China now. You know, there's some growing pains. We have these tariffs, but, uh, you know, they're not able to take advantage of us anymore, things like that. And that's what his base wants to hear. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear that he is the strong man on the national international stage. He's the strong man in those trade talks. He's the strong man that's bringing back jobs. That's what they want to hear. So that's what he's talking about there um, when he's talking about, you know, adding tariffs to China and so forth. And so he, he goes on for quite a while about the tariffs and so forth. Um, so after all the tariff debate talk and all that, he says he gets into that whole thing. And you probably saw it on the news. He says, I'm totally off script, right? And then he says, thank you, darling. You know I'm totally off script now. And this is how I got elected by being off script. True. And if we don't go off script, our country is in big trouble, folks, because we have to get it back. And when I look at what's happening on the other side, I encourage it. I say, no, no, no. I think the Green New Deal, or whatever the hell they call it, then the audience laughs, the Green New Deal, right? Green New Deal, I encourage it. I think it's really something they should promote. They should work hard on it. It's something our country needs desperately. They have to go out and get it. But I'll take the other side of the argument only because I'm mandated to. I'm mandated. I don't understand what he's saying there. But I think he was getting into the idea that he wants to run against these people that are pushing the Green New Deal because, I mean... Because he's able to position it as a socialist idea, things like that. And it's, you know, when you, when you look at the financial side of it, it's, it's totally not something that can happen. I think it was a pie-in-the-sky idea that the Democrats are trying to position and start off with, right? Because it's a progressive idea. So you're going to start off with all the things that you want, and then you slowly start pushing all of the policies in that direction that's what they do um so anyway he wants to run against the people that are pushing the green new deal he kind of says it right there and he just because he knows it's a winning issue for him if he can be running against somebody that's like a green new dealer he talks a lot about this whole russian scandal he talks a lot about what's going on with the collusion idea that the congress is going after him and that there's nothing to it, blah, blah, blah. He says, the collusion delusion. So now we're wasting, now we're wasting for a, we're waiting for a report, and we'll find out whether or not and who we're dealing with. We're waiting for a report by people that weren't elected. We had, think of this, we had the greatest election in all fairness. I used to hear Andrew Jackson uh, but he's getting into, he's, then he says, this is now greater than the election of Andrew Jackson. People say that. No, people say it. I'm not saying it, right? This was the equivalent of great or greater. You know, they used to go to Ronald Reagan when I first started. This is Ronald Reagan. Then we start really, so he, nothing that he's saying right there makes sense whatsoever. But he's really just going after the idea that they're going after him for the Russian inclusion and all that. And he's off script, so it doesn't make sense. And uh, I can't believe how how challenging it is to read his read this transcript because a lot of the stuff that he's saying is just 
It doesn't make sense. And maybe it makes more sense when he's actually saying it live. I'm not sure. So my challenge is, is just reading it because the way that he talks is so different the way that I would talk. But when you're listening to this, I mean, he gets into the idea of, you know, the FBI directors. He, I think he went on for hours just about what his what was going on in his presidency now. He's not really setting a vision for the future of what he wants to do. He says, everything's going great. Um, you guys love me. Look what I'm doing. Um, and look what the Democrats are doing to try to destroy me. And that's kind of the gist of what I get from almost the entire CPAC uh, speech that he gave. But let's get into some of the more of this information as well, some of the more red meat, okay? So one of the main things that he said to his people at CPAC when he was talking, and it made a, it made a lot of headlines over the weekend as well, was that he was considering uh, signing a free speech executive order. And this is in references to the colleges and the universities around the United States that get federal funding through uh, through the Pell Grants and the loans and so forth. And what happens on a lot of the campuses, from a conservative point of view, or I guess from a Republican point of view, what happens on a lot of campuses is that dissenting opinions or maybe... And I don't know if it's specifically dissenting opinions, but Republicans sometimes are like chased off of the chased off of the campus, or when they're giving a speech, maybe they get canceled, things like that, based upon political views, and that's the perception that a lot of Republicans have. And I've noticed that's true. Is if you go to a lot of the campuses around the United States, they're liberal bastions, um, and I mean, just what every college professor and in America, I mean, it's it's pretty much the going thing that they're all, you know, very liberal, very few conservative uh, professors out there. You get some libertarian professors out there, but that's few and far between. Uh, most of the time it's in the economics department, but you don't see it anywhere else. So very liberal college campuses are very liberal. That's I mean, that's just that's a given. We all know that. Right. Um, so when you're when you're a conservative going on to the campus they'll call you a racist they'll call you names and so forth and they'll say that you can't come and then what donald trump was saying is that he's gonna sign a free speaking speech executive order and if these campuses don't protect free speech on campus then they're not going to be able to get pale grants and federal funding and so forth um from my point of view, from the libertarian point of view, I don't think that schools should be getting federal funding anyway, but that's neither here nor there. That's my libertarian fantasy world, and that's not the world that we really live in. Um, the government can have strings attached to any money that they send to somebody, and they do it all the time. Um, and I, the president has control of where that money goes i think right so i guess he can do that he can sign a free speech executive order is it in his best interest it plays to his constituency it plays to the people that are you know his, his most dedicated followers so they're they're ch cheering and clapping when he's saying this stuff i'm sure 
Um, but I don't know. I I know that there is an issue on campuses about this because you've seen it in the past. There was that. Um, there's been multiple times where conservatives are run off of campus, but I don't know if that's from coming from the administration or if it's coming from just the people that invited them there. And I'm pretty sure a lot of times it comes from the administration. You specifically hear about it about UC Berkeley where a conservative is invited and then they're not allowed to speak because of security reasons or things like that. And I'm sure that does happen. If there is security reasons, well... There shouldn't be, I mean, if somebody's coming to speak, I think that you should have the right to speak if you're invited. And if somebody else is going to heckle you and things like that, that's on them. This, if, if they're going to violently try to hurt you, then that's obviously, you know, something that needs to be protected against as well. Protect the speaker, have security in place. Um, but I just don't think that, <clears throat> I just don't think that, um, Trump should be signing some kind of, you know, free speech executive order, but it does play to his base, and that's what he was trying to do, right? He's trying to play to his base at that point. Um, but, I mean, these the idea of having free speech zones at college campuses, at least there is a free speech zone, I guess, but shouldn't it all every place be a free speech zone in that world? But it is a college campus. It's a, you know, it, they have to have rules. They can place rules and, you know, they can put rules in place where they want to, to make sure that the school functions the best that it can. I don't necessarily defend the idea of having free speech zones. I think that we do live in America and we, you know, it is a natural right, you can say, to have that free speech. So moving right along though. And then I found another article on thehill.com and it was just saying some of the things that he said during the speech. And one of them, he said that he, that, that Trump attacks Democrats over socialism, and they write, the president exoriated Democrats for what he says is an embrace of socialism, citing new policies like Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, which is spearheaded by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC as she is known, and seeks to combat climate change by investing in eco-friendly jobs. He says, quote, socialism is not about the environment, it's not about justice. It's not about virtue. Socialism is about only one thing. It's called power for the ruling class, Trump said. All of us are here today because we know that the future does not belong to those who believe in socialism. The future belongs to those who believe in freedom. America will never be a socialist country, he added, sparking USA chants. And we believe in America, the American dream, not the socialist nightmare, he says. Republicans throughout the four-day conference slammed Democrats over policies they said were evidence of an already creeping form of socialism, continuing an effort to open up a new cultural war front to gin up the base after the midterm election. So that is true. Um, d Republicans are going after the, the far-left socialist views that are being espoused by a lot of the Democrats, and I think it's going to be their rallying cry, right? And that's going to be the message of the 2020 election is capitalism versus socialism or freedom versus socialism or whatever the whatever else they want to say. And it's going to get, you know, the patriotic Republican base to, you know, stir up along with like some of those independent people as well. So, um, but then, the, then they 
a lot of the articles are saying when he came in hugging the American flag, like it was a little over the top and so forth. But overall, I think that the speech, and from all the news that I've read, everything that I've seen about it, I think the speech played very well to his base. It stirred up a lot of the controversy, but it also helped, had him go off script. I think it was good news for him because the people are going to, you know, see that he's out there challenging status quos and things like that, challenging the Democrats, and it's going to get people, you know, his base riled up, right? They're all happy that he's running and so forth. Um, He's playing himself up as like a power player on the international and the domestic stage. So I think it helped him out in that way, but a lot of the press was uh, negative about this speech, but a lot of his base sees the press as fake news anyway, right? So that's not something that he has to worry about. He doesn't have to worry about that. If he has negative press, well, that's just the fake news. So that was his speech, though. He was at CPAC, and I just wanted to go over a few of the highlights of it um, and a few of the news stories that I found just to let you guys know how it was framed in the media as well. Um, But... This is Ion 2020. I appreciate you guys coming out and listening. Uh, Hopefully I didn't ramble too much on about this. I would not sit down and watch a two and a half hour speech. I just couldn't do it. But I'm just trying to get all the information I can just to get some of the highlights. And that's what I presented to you guys today. So uh, come on back again tomorrow and listen. And the best way to do that is by subscribing to the show. So if you can, subscribe. And this is your place to have clear vision for the 2020 election. So come back tomorrow and have clear vision.